Hey, everybody. This is your co-host, Zach. And today I'm going to be bringing on a guest, Sierra Bloffus. You guys have met Sierra twice already. I've had her on the podcast two times this year, once to discuss non-monogamy and polyamory, and another time to discuss karmic relationships. And today I bring Sierra on the podcast, not just as a guest, but to introduce her to you as my partner. Now, in this podcast, we wanted to not just discuss our relationship and spill tea and talk about the process of our relationship, but to talk about some of the principles that we apply to our relationship to keep it healthy and to keep an open line of communication. And within that, some of the lessons that we've learned from our relationship. So the beginning of this podcast is going to be a little bit of a background about obviously how we met and how this whole relationship has unfolded. And then in the back half of the podcast, you'll hear a little bit more about some of these principles we apply and some of the lessons that we learned. I think that this episode is really great, but obviously like I get to hear myself talk. So I always think that's great, <laughs> but I think you guys will really enjoy it. And I hope you get something out of it. So sit back, relax, pop some popcorn, grab some honey or your favorite sweetener and get ready to drink some of this tea. soul humans welcome back to another week of what the fuck where you tune in with a little less of what neil would call neilness this week because neil is not here neil no neil oh we miss uh, you neil i know, <laughs> wish we you were here you, <laughs> <laughs> thanks babe <laughs> anyway hi babe hi babe <laughs> wow <laughs> i wanted to come back on here and reintroduce you not as sierra day but as sierra babe hey <laughs> Sierra Bay. <laughs> <laughs> Please make that the title of this episode. See, oh, hey, look at you. That's perfect. Yeah. Neil always messages me. He's like, what do you want to call this week's episode? I'm like, <laughs> fuck, man, I'm in the middle of shit right now. <laughs> Did he title the non-monogamy, oh my? No, that, that was, was on me, baby. I like that. I really liked it. <laughs> You've known me long enough to know my stupid fucking jokes. <laughs> I figured it was you, but, <laughs> but then you said Neil you. titles things, so. No, that's the that's the one job that I have outside of talking. Hmm. That's the little responsibility he gives me. He's like, don't fuck this up. <laughs> <laughs> you did good. Thanks. You Thanks nailed it. it. Oh, well. <laughs> I set you up for that one. <laughs> I was like, how inappropriate am I going to be on here? I'm going to tone it. I'm going to tone it back. So the last time you were on this podcast, we were uh, acquaintances at best. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we've managed to pack a lot of shit into <laughs> three or four February months. when we last had that conversation. Was it podcast? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm, okay. How close was it to Valentine's I would, Day? I'm not sure, actually. Maybe that was the energy. Oh, you were catching my Valentine's vibes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so over the you last just four shot months, us both in the ass. There we go. Cupid knows I like it in the ass. Anyway, uh, we've managed to pack a lot into (laughs) managed to pack a lot, not only into our asses, but into the last three or four months. And we just wanted to kind of come on here and talk about the ups and downs that we've been experiencing and kind of how we've been navigating that. So I'll start by saying um 
that I had a crush on you probably three seconds after you popped up on my Zoom. I was like, <laughs> I was like kind of nervous to record with you. And I was like, oh, you know, I want to, I want this podcast to go well. Like we don't have many guests on. So like, I want, I want the guest experiences to be good. Also, she cute as fuck. So <laughs> let's bring her on here. And then hopefully I don't bumble fuck my words and it'll be great. And then you popped up and I was like, oh no. Oh no. <laughs> That's so cute. I don't know. You were like nervous. That's really yeah. cute. You yeah. didn't seem very nervous. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. freaking out inside. Yeah. <laughs> Internally, just things were going haywire. Small, small panic attacks. Just, just, bub- <laughs> just bubbling up. No, I'm just kidding. I wasn't that bad, but I was definitely nervous. Um, I was definitely crushing on you. I actually literally wrote in my notebook, crushing on you as part of what I was. <laughs> <laughs> Needs to mention this. Yes, crushing. Make sure to mention. With an I and apostrophe <laughs> without the G. Um, so over the course of a few months, we kind of started to get to know each other a little bit better. Mm-hmm. and eventually developed into a relationship. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about like what your relationship status was like when we started dating. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, we talked about it in that episode. We did, yeah. Let's run, <laughs> let's run it back. About, so if you haven't, yeah, if you haven't listened to that podcast episode, go back a few months and start <laughs> at the beginning of our relationship. Um, so my relationship status was not single, but was not unavailable (laughs) Um, (laughs) at the time. At the time, um, I'd been polyamorous. I've been polyamorous for like five years at that time. Um, like knowingly and consciously like polyamorous. Um, so being in this place, I was with my partner, Kaya and, it wasn't like a place where like I couldn't ha- like be open to new relationships. Um, so there was an openness with you and like letting our relationship evolve um, in the way that it did, which I think we sh- maybe should talk about a little bit, <laughs> like what has happened yeah. in the past three months. Yeah, we, can do that. Um, we have obviously, if you haven't, figured it out by now are dating (laughs) and um, that's different from like where you and I were three and a half, four months ago uh, where we were just coming on as acquaintances. Um, And then things evolved because we realized there was chemistry and connection and we let it unfold. And also we had dreams about each other almost on this. Was it the The same same week? It was the same. It was like within two days of each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we hadn't really been talking much at that point, but we had been having dreams about each other, like really vivid dreams, uh, intimate dreams about each other. <laughs> so there's definitely like a psychic connection there. Um, and yeah, so we, we let things evolve and my life and relationships have been shifting and changing out of polyamory and into monogamy mm-hmm. <laughs> and into a new chapter with you. Yeah. I I do want to ask you about that a little bit, uh, a little bit later, but I do want to dip into uh, what you talked about with like the unfolding relationship and the dreams that we were having and this, like this psychic kind of connection that was going on. Cause your, your dream was very interesting. I mean, my dream, I don't remember a ton of it. Like I remember we were like going on an adventure together 
and we were like leading a group. And at some point we were just kind of like laying in the street, like in the middle of the street, like the middle of a road, very safe, you know, uh, obviously we weren't wearing protection. So we didn't have like tons of, uh, we didn't have tons of cars around us to protect us from oncoming traffic is what I mean. Get your your head out of the gutter, everybody. Um, (laughs) but it was like this very intimate, uh, this very intimate dream. And it was so vivid. Like I could feel the pressure of your head on my chest. I could like, you know, feel your breath on my face. It was like very, very intense. And in your dream, I remember, I mean, if you remember it, you can describe it or I can. Yeah. I remember most of it. Um, I don't remember like the details of like who exactly was there other than you and I, but in my dream, we were in a, a living room, which I felt like was either mine or your home. Um, it was just like a very familiar place, a place that I felt very comfortable in. Um, and you and I were standing next to each other and we had like friends over and like people were sitting on the couch and it was like more of like just a casual chill hangout. Um, and I was with you standing next to you and I was resting my head on your shoulder and like just this intimate connected, um, energy where you had like your arm draped around me. It was just very soft and, and sweet. <laughs> One of the <laughs> things definitely you had not told just me, acquaintance vibes. Yeah. Not just acquaintance vibes. Um, <laughs> when, when you had told me about that dream, you had also reflected to me that there were multiple of your ex-partners in that dream, like standing in the circle around us. I totally forgot that. And you had like had your head on my shoulder. So I wonder if you've yeah. I mean, clearly, since you've forgotten it, the, the question I'm about to ask is going to fall short. But like, have you unpacked that at all anymore now that like, we've actually not. did? Yeah, obviously <laughs> not. You've clearly forgotten about it. <laughs> no, but now like that gives me something to unpack um, because I don't remember that. Like what I remembered, because um, typically I'll like write down my dreams in like a journal or something. And I probably do have this written down. I just haven't like looked back on it um, because I used to have a really hard time recalling dreams or even remembering that I was dreaming. So I started doing a dream journal to help to remember those things. Um, and it's gotten a little bit better, but not to the point where like, I'll really remember details and stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't remember that. And I don't even remember who was in the dream. So I'm hoping that I wrote it down <laughs> so that I can like recall it. Um, but I mean, if you want to unpack it now, it feels, <laughs> it feels like a symbolic, um, I don't know, a symbolic feeling of reflecting on my past relationships and how they made me feel versus how I felt at, like with you at that time, like it felt like very familiar, you know, like having even just our podcast episodes, it was very easy. We like never had to try to have conversation. It's just very organic with you. Um, and. So like that familiar feeling is like when I'm getting from the dream. Um, but that's all I really recall from the feelings. I, I don't remember feeling anxiety or um, fear or anything like having partners there. Um, because I think like the most important part of dreams is like the feeling that we have in the dream, mm, right? Like it doesn't matter. Like you can see a dog in your dream, but a dog to some person could be fucking scary because they have like a traumatic experience with a dog or it could be mm. like really loving and, and caring. Um, the dog so I don't recall. I, was a baby. I don't know if I ever told you that. 
Wait, what? It totally derailed you. I had a dog bite my <laughs> face when I was a baby. I Did said, you? I don't know if I ever told you. Yeah. Oh, no, you didn't tell me that. No. Are you scared well, of dogs? No, you're not scared of dogs. No, we I'm saw not a dog together. Yeah. No, we saw many dogs. Yeah. Scared <laughs> 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 of dogs? No. No. <laughs> then again, you also didn't know when I was nervous. So maybe I was freaking the fuck out. And I was like, yeah, that's true. Ready to do jujitsu on this. Well, I didn't thing. know if you, when you were nervous, like when I first met you. So no. <laughs> I was new to your energy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so before, before I derail us too hard, I wanted to ask, do you see any symbology with regards to knowing what we know now? the maybe foreshadowing or the transition out of polyamory with those partners and into monogamy in this relationship? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I was in polyamory with all of, cause I don't remember who was in the dream. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously not all of my partners I was polyamorous with. So there could have been some partners within monogamy there too, but even in those relationships, there was underlying like polyamorous themes um, of seeing other people, whether it be in like an ethical or an unethical way. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely feel some symbolism in like, in moving into monogamy now as like a conscious choice and knowing now that this is something that I've wanted, like underneath all of the layers of a, a different type of commitment that I could receive from polyamory. Um, And I think that like being in a space, like being in a place of home with you was a big symbolic energy for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And to be like outwardly expressing and showing love with one person with you um, without shame or fear, you know, is a very comfortable connection. Uh, So yeah, that's like, that's what's coming through for that, that dream and that experience. Yeah. I like that. To other people, they're thinking like, and you were laying in the street in your dream, like what? <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, what was actually interesting about this? So, for my dream, when I was a teenager, like my my me and my very first girlfriend, um, shout out, what's up? <laughs> she and I are still very good <laughs> friends. <laughs> um, we used to like, we lived in a very suburban area, so we would like just literally hang out in the street of these like undeveloped neighborhoods and go to parks yeah. and like hang out in yeah, you know, the too. baseball field. Exactly. And when I told you that, yeah. you were like, oh, I did that with my first boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, so weird. Well, it wasn't so. my first boyfriend, but one of, yeah, one of my boyfriends in high school. Oh. Um, yeah. We would just hang out in the street and lay down, like watch this, what little stars you could see in the suburbs, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, and talk about life and all the teen angsty things. Mm-hmm. Um, like what jelly bracelet you were going to wear to school tomorrow. And- yeah, I was like middle school. <laughs> <laughs> I always wore the black one and nobody ever broke it. Oh. Thank God. I remember what the black one means. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't know shit about jelly bracelets other than what they were called. I was, I was too busy quoting Mean Girls. Uh, so <laughs> you, you talked about, you've referenced multiple times this transition out of polyamory and into monogamy. And for this this episode, I, I kind of want to use the the details of our relationship, not so much as like the meat of the episode, because I don't think people really want to you know listen to the TMZ version of our relationship. But like <laughs> to use it as a vehicle for talking about some of the lessons that have come up in our relationship and kind of how we've navigated them, because I think that's far more valuable. Um, 
unless you're just trying to get, unless people are just trying to have some tea spilled uh, and, and, and sip on that shit. But um, we, so yeah, so there was this transition out of polyamory into monogamy, I guess, technically for both of us, because I was, I guess, officially in a polyamorous relationship as well. Yeah. With my, uh, my RuneScape girlfriend over here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you, if anybody listened to the non-monogamy on my episode, what a banger of a name. There's a little, little fluff there. <laughs> You'll remember that I said that I was clearly not wanting polyamory in my life. I was like, mm-hmm. you know, I've tried polyamory, you know, grateful for the lessons that it taught me. Ultimately not for me. Mm-hmm. Long-term I want monogamy. And when we were getting into the relationship we were both very cognizant of that. You would even ask me about it. Like, Hey, you know, you remember when you said stuff and now you're not doing <laughs> yeah. that. Um, yeah. And for a little while, I kind of thought, you know, I just knew that I was supposed to be with you. I just knew that this felt right. And I was supposed mm-hmm. to explore it with you yeah. regardless of what the container looked like. And I had a lot of, I guess, rationalizations for why this was gonna, why, why I'm in, like, why polyamory was okay. Um, yeah. thinking, you know, oh my God, you know, I have so much on my plate with my work life and school and my development, you know, it's okay that my girlfriend lives literally across the country <laughs> and is polyamorous because can I carry a primary relationship with the type of schedule that I'm even keeping right now? Do I have what it takes at this point in my life? And we dated polyamorously for a little while and a lot of a lot of things arose and I can let you describe those in a sec here. Um, Cause it was really more of your experience than it was mine. Um, mm. And within some of, within some of those circumstances that arose, I began to have a lot of emotions coming up, a lot of realizations coming up uh, to the point where I needed to go get an Akashic records reading. And I don't, I try not to do this very often. I try to use that as like if emergency break glass or like pull the ripcord <laughs> kind of thing. Um, otherwise I just try to like have conversations with friends and source my own information. But, this seemed a little big, so a little big. <laughs> so I wanted yeah. to go get an Akashic Records reading on this and realize that this, this pattern of polyamory in my life that had arisen and kind of where it had come from, and not to monopolize the microphone, <laughs> but essentially over the course of my life, I had these two kind of parallel experiences within relationships within my romantic relationships, there was always this underlying theme of infidelity where either myself or my partner would have wandering eyes, wandering lips and find ourselves engaged in, you know, in in affairs, basically. I mean, I hesitate to call them affairs because we were young, but essentially that was the gist of what was going on. Simultaneously in my friendships, I often found myself setting people up, like setting up close friends with each other, nurturing their relationships, kind of being the third person uh, and helping them to realize that they were attracted to each other, to realize that they actually had feelings for each other, to help them field their problems and come to resolution and learn how to communicate with one another. It was almost like I was Mm -hmm. their matchmaker and their relationship counselor simultaneously. And this has been a pervasive theme in my life, even to today. So I have this reading and you know, I don't know how much anybody believes about past lives or 
the value of the Akashic Record reading with regards to past lives, whether or not there's truth to what you hear. I think the symbology can be helpful or the symbolism can be helpful. And in this past life that was outlined for me, I was a priest in a small town or a small city and had obviously taken a vow of celibacy because I was a priest. And so I would marry people. I would marry people together. Um, And since I was a priest in like the 15 or 1600s or whatever, you're not only just the person who marries people, you're also their relationship counselor. You're their confidant, you're their therapist, you're their personal counselor. So I would end up, although I had taken a vow of celibacy, I kind of would blend my energy with these relationships and I would source my romantic intimacy vicariously through them. So I've been living out this kind of karmic pattern. Um, and I realized that <clears throat> it was part of my role in this life to break out of that karmic pattern, which meant that I could not, having known that at that point, continue to be in a polyamorous relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll put like a pin in that. And then we'll kind of do this like a movie where the story is told from two different perspectives. And then we kind <laughs> of merge the story. Um <laughs> Uh, at the at the end. So I wanted to talk about your experience leading up to that as well and kind of what brought us to that point. Yeah. So um, to back up on my storyline, so I'd been polyamorous for, like I said, like about five years, but not all of that was done in like a conscious, uh, beneficial way in a, in a healthy way. So the past really like two years has been a, an effort on my part to come into polyamory in a really healthy and conscious way, doing it with um, support externally, reading books, re- listening to podcasts and getting relational support and things like that. So coming into my relationship with Kaya, it was like the healthiest polyamorous relationships that I had had. We were pretty much monogamous for a while in our relationship. And then he had met somebody else. And so then we entered this new healthy poly relationship dynamic that I'd never had before. Most of the poly relationships were unhealthy and toxic and chaotic. Uh, So I thought that was like where my challenge with polyamory was, was it was like, it was just unhealthy. You know, if I have a healthy polyamorous connections, then I'll feel a little bit more settled in polyamory. And then I'll feel like my needs are met and things like that. So moving through the relationship with Kaya in the poly realm, I had realized as he would, was getting closer with his, still his partner, Lindsay, that I was having a lot of this unsettled feeling of, Uh, like a sense of home because we live together. I was having a lot of fears of abandonment coming up. Like it just felt like this re-triggering of these wounds that I was never going to be fully um, committed to in the way that like I was really craving because I I couldn't in that relationship dynamic because uh, just on like the agreements that we had in the relationship, you know, he has multiple relationships. So there's only so much that you can give to one person when you're seeing multiple people. Um, so through that, I mean, my relationship with you was kind of like a, a platform into 
discovering like what I really wanted, like doing a lot of introspection, doing a lot of meditation, journaling, reflection on like what was coming up for me and like, why was it coming up? And the big question of what do I really want? (laughs) What do I really want out of this lifetime? And how do I want to receive that? Like, how do I want to open myself up to receive that? And so you coming into the realization that you wanted to have a monogamous relationship really amplified that question for me. Cause that, that was a question that was going on before you and I had evolved. It was like, ever since uh, Kaya had met his partner, my, my question continuously to myself was like, is this what I want? What do I want? Which I think is a question we should all ask ourselves all the time to just make sure that we're still moving in the direction of our values. Um, and what I realized one of my values was, was deep emotional commitment, which you can receive out of polyamory. I'm not like saying that polyamory is not right and that people shouldn't do it. And that it's not, it's not for anyone, you know, like polyamory played a really important and essential role in my journey, but it wasn't something that I wanted long-term. Um, and that's what I realized. So I, I wanted really deep commitment with one person and, um, yeah, our relationship has just led me, led me there. So it has, I remember when all of that was going on, you know, I had this, I, I suppose it felt like a moral dilemma where I was in this situation of being like, okay, I know now what's true to me. And, and that's mm-hmm. that I can't just dip my toe in polyamory and say like, this is okay for now. Uh, because I want monogamy long-term, but right now things are kind of like, whatever, maybe had we had a more casual connection, I would have been totally fine with it. But you had, after a year and a half of not meeting anybody else and kind of being like on your end of the relationship, like in a more monogamous kind of relationship with Kaya, um, Mm -hmm. because you just hadn't met anybody who like really piqued your interest to explore after maybe two weeks of us starting to date, you would like met somebody that you were interested in. Yeah. <laughs> and so you kind of like started to, you like started to try and explore that relationship, which was what brought me into, you know, going to get this, going to get this reading because I was starting to think to myself, just really like it, it was taking a lot of time and emotional energy to maintain neutrality or like to maintain groundedness in our relationship at that point, because it was like, okay, you know, I'm having a lot of feelings come up. You're having a lot of feelings come up. We need to talk about them. We need to get on the phone and do this whole thing. And it was taking, you know, like each conversation that we would have would take like an hour or an hour and a half or whatever. And I was like, dude, I don't have time. Like I I just, you know, like this is taking. It was a lot. This is taking too much. Um, Yeah. And having discovered like, okay, you know, I'm falling, I'm falling in love with this person and this person is falling in love with me. And at the same time, like, I can't do, I can't do this, whatever this is, I can't do it, but I'm not going to try and change her. I'm not going to try and change her mind. I'm not going to ask her to sacrifice something that she has told me in no uncertain terms that she wanted. Cause you had told me at that point, like I want long-term what you called kitchen table polyamory. So more of like a tribal community type of type of aspect. 
I might be describing that poorly, but that's kind of how <laughs> when I you describe it. it as tribal community. I just imagine like primal cavemen all like surrounding me. <laughs> but yeah, essentially that's what it just, is. Just a bunch of dudes in loincloths. <laughs> like, why does nobody wear fucking pants in this commune? This is insane. I really wish you you watched SpongeBob because there's a great SpongeBob episode I could reference where they're like uh, where they're Neanderthals or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. they go clip. back in time. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's got a fucking unibrow. V sexy. Mm-hmm. It was the haircut mm-hmm. of the day, but basically, I didn't want to. I didn't want to ask you to compromise what you what at least at that time I thought you would known inside of your heart, because throughout this entire relationship, I've never wanted to give you. I never wanted to give the relationship any reason to fester resentment, mm-hmm. um, for any reason. So I've never wanted to ask you to compromise something that was deeply known to you in your heart. So yeah. instead of asking you. To be monogamous with me, I just kind of removed myself from the situation and was like, this is just, you know, I'm I'm not going to try and change you. I want you to be happy. I want you to be who you are. And I want to be happy and I want to be who I am. So we're going to have to find a way to to stay in each other's lives. Um, And from my perspective, at least that was kind of what what started to catalyze that realization from you. And I know that you have been, you had been thinking of it on your end for a while, but um, that was when you had initially kind of, uh, kind of divulged to me that it was something that you were thinking of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that entire experience in dating that person we dated for a very short time and I wouldn't, I don't even know if I would call it dating, you know, it was like a week, maybe two weeks of seeing this person. Um, It gave me perspective on like one, how much energy I had to give into my life um, and your life. Mm -hmm. And then, sorry, I just, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I can't multitask. I know I'm like texting you. Actually, that's a perfect. So you can't multitask. Look at that. <laughs> I'm, what you're talking about. I can't multitask. I can't speak and read at the same time. Like, listen, I can um, juggle men, but I cannot speak and read at the same time. All right. Don't you fucking can't juggle me. I can't juggle. The thing is, is like what I want so deeply, like, and this is where the kitchen table polyamory thing came from. I just want really deep connections. Like I really want to be so deep it's so deeply emotionally connected to people in general. Um, and that depth of connection I realized for myself is not possible within romantic connections for multiple people because I give a lot of that same depth, like not the same kind of intimacy, like there's not romance or sexual type of relationship with other people, but I give a lot still to my friends and to my communities and I'm building my work. And like that takes the same level of commitment that I'm wanting to give into relationships that I just don't have space for in multiple relations, like romantic relationships. And so that's what I realized in dating multiple people at that time. I was dating like three people at once for like two weeks. And I was like, holy shit, this is like way too much for me. Um, And we talked about that prior. I was like, I kind of need to be in something to know if this is like something that I can hold space for before I can like make that judgment call. And it sucks at times to have to be (laughs) in something so intimately before I can make that judgment call. I can't just like see something and be like, "Mm, you know what? I don't think I'll have space for that. I'm getting a little bit better with that. But 
Um, yeah. So that was like an essential part of the experience in moving into monogamy and making that commitment to myself and, and with you, you know, like ultimately it comes down at the individual level. Like it's not, I'm not making it for you. I'm not making the monogamous commitment for you and for just our relationship. I'm making it because I know in my heart, like that is what I'm wanting out of my life. Yeah. Yeah. And this hasn't been, actually, that was just to to kind of put a, to circle back around to that. You had said, you referred to just how much you give to your relationships. And it's absolutely true. It's something that I had noticed. Um, my, my prior experience with polyamory was that it was incredibly difficult to, for, for either partner to give quality energy to yeah. all of their partners. And you, you know, it was, a, it was obviously like a short frame of time, but it felt very intense. Like you gave, you continued to show up in our relationship like with the exact same amount of time and energy that you had prior, but I had had this like fear or this concern, I guess, of how long can you sustain that for? Um, And at what point is this going to kind of like crumble? Um, And also just like, I think the, the natural fear that would arise for anybody in this position is that like, I'm across the country and this is a very like real tangible relationship that's developing with you about at the same time that we had like just started dating. So it was like that relationship was two weeks younger than the one that we had just started and was like, <laughs> you know, it's not a competition, but how can I compete with that? Like, how can I develop a relationship with you at the same time when I can't, you know, when I'm barred from giving you the same kind of um, attention, you know, the same kind of presence and, and physicality that somebody else can give. And I mean, you obviously showed up as much as you possibly could. And, you know, I commend you for that, but um, this transition also hasn't happened overnight for you, you know, cause even after we had this brief, very brief separation <laughs> lasted for probably all of a week, maybe a little bit. <laughs> I don't longer. even know if it's a full a week. Yeah. Um, before we just like, kind of like fell back into, <laughs> fell back into dating each other. During that time, you would stop seeing this person, but you know you still have a, a very intimate and long-term relationship with the partner that you were literally living with. Mm-hmm. So this has been kind of a long transition. Yeah, yeah. My transition out of polyamory with Kaya like looks different than somebody that I was dating for two weeks. <laughs> you know, um, because what I had built with Kaya is a friendship and. We also lived together, so we were nesting partners. Um, so I'm still in transition. Like we're outside of more of the romantic part of our relationship now, but still transitioning out of like having separate lives uh, because they've been like so deep, deeply integrated together. Um, and that was something that him and I were both like scared about initially, like moving in together and all these things, which I think a lot of people get scared of, but. Um, because we're doing it in this like really open way with each other, it's easy to maintain communication in this process. And like, we don't have this like big rupture in the uncoupling or the breakup, whatever you want to call it. Um, It's been like a softer, smoother transition so that I have space to figure out where I'm going now. Cause I'm living with him 
and there's like more transition in on my end um, than for him. But yeah, it's been it's been really interesting to like deepen our relationship with you and I and go deeper and um, like go deeper into monogamy and like more commitment and um, more like goal setting and <laughs> figuring out the relationship while still like being in this place of unraveling. Oh my God. I missed you so much. Oh my God. Wow. You're already recording. This I'm is making me nervous. Oh yeah. I can see you sweating. <laughs> oh, <no>. oh. <laughs> so we had to take a five minute break while first of all, zoom has gotten stingy. They're only giving you 40 minutes of recording with two people. Now it's For BS. People who don't, pay a subscription listen right? okay, okay you know i'm jewish <laughs> <right>? <laughs> i think for a second i'm gonna fucking pay for zoom um so i just wanted to say neil i know you're listening this is what it looks like when somebody takes a seven minute break and remembers what they were talking about just so you know um just so you know what that looks like <laughs> if it makes you feel any better neil i don't remember what you talked about so. <laughs> so you were talking about your transition out of uh the relation the romantic relationship with kaya um and i was gonna hop in and say that the the physical transition wasn't the isn't the only thing that had, that took a while right i mean you're still in the process of that but the actual transition out of the romantic aspect of the relationship took time as well and that was a whole other process kind of within itself so interestingly like the new relationship that you would you were developing with this other this other guy was more distressing to me than your relationship with kaya which like I actually don't think I ever once really cared about, like in terms of a negative way. Like I'm always obviously happy for you to be happy with somebody that you cared about um, and to have like support at home and everything like that. But it never bothered me. Mm -hmm. uh, however, when we were in this position where I had said, okay, you know, I can't do polyamory anymore. Uh, I need to be doing monogamy. You know, I kind of made that claim and wanted to stand in my integrity. Uh, and meanwhile, you in a very, like for very obvious reasons, like we're in the process of transitioning the relationship that you were in. And there was this period of uncertainty where there was no telling when that relationship was going to kind of run its natural course. And I was in this position of thinking to myself, you know, well, I don't want to rush this process at all. Because like I had said, I don't want to have you change anything serious about your life for me, because that's just planting a seed to fester resentment, right? I don't want you to mm -hmm. transition a relationship prematurely for the sake of our relationship, because that is just, that's an imbalance. That's a disturbance in the force, you know? So yeah. So I, I ended up finding myself in this weird position, kind of like between a rock and a hard place where I was like, okay, well, I want to be in a monogamous relationship, but for good reason, like she can't be in a monogamous relationship at this point. So do I start dating again? But mm -hmm. then that would be me kind of being out of my integrity because I would no longer be doing monogamy. Like I said that I wanted. So where, like, where does this leave me? And it was a very sticky position. Um, there was no, there was no like right answer to be in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, the like transition with Kaya, um, I remember like there was some guilt that I felt because like, like there was just no quick transition, you know, it wasn't like something that you could decide one day and the next day you could be in that place. Um, it was something that would come over time. And so, yeah, I didn't have an expectation for you to be like sticking around and waiting for whatever was going to unfold in the time that it was going to unfold. And even now, like we're still living together. So it's still not in this place of like fully having like separate lives. Um, And yeah, I remember you bringing that up and, and speaking to me about like the questioning of dating other people. And I remember feeling a lot of fear around it. Cause now me making this decision, moving into monogamy with someone that I would like, would like to pursue monogamy with, and then having that person tell you that they're like, they were thinking about dating other people. Cause that's after you had like kind of processed it a little bit and you were just coming to me to be in your truth and honesty. Um, but that brought up some, a lot of fears in me of like, do I want monogamy? Cause like, can people commit to monogamy? Can I commit to monogamy? Is this something that can like be done, can be achieved, um, to make that, like that conscious commitment. Um, and I actually had a question for you because you've, you brought up this feeling that you had experienced a few times over the relationship of like falling into more of the feelings of like codependency. So like the emotional overwhelm and like being kind of consumed in another person's energy and kind of like losing yourself in the, in the process of like being with another person's energy and emotions. So how do you navigate, like, how are you navigating that now of like the feelings of codependency versus like conscious connection with me? Did I bring that up in the last episode that we did together or something? Codependency? No, you brought this up in conversation of of you and I um, when you were moving through, you were just moving through like an, an emotional day. We had had a conversation um, and you just said that you were feeling feelings of codependency, like feeling just like really enmeshed with oh, yeah. that was my experience back. and our experience. Yeah. Um, you know, actually this, this relates to something that we had talked about on that. Uh, the second episode that you and I had done together, you are now the most, uh, the, uh, <laughs> the most invited on guest. <laughs> um, the second episode that we did together, you would ask me about anxious versus avoidant attachment styles. And I said, both, I do both. <laughs> I do it all, baby. Find you a man who can do both. <laughs> so like i had said in that episode when i'm getting into a relationship and there's still uncertainty about whether or not like how deeply the other person cares for me and you know what they want from the relationship and all that kind of stuff i find myself in a more anxious uh attachment Mm -hmm. style and that's kind of where i was at and then i said to you in that, that very same episode and then once i get to a point where there is commitment and more surety, I start to deal with this other process. Like this shift happens in my energy that is more of an avoidant attachment style. So the way that I've dealt with that is by uh, basically not having to have dealt with it. Uh, What (laughs) happened was like, as our relationship, I mean, first of all, 
because that's not a great answer for anybody. I was just honest with you about what I was feeling yeah. at that time instead yeah. of doing these little manipulative things that we do in relationship when we're feeling anxious about our attachment to somebody, we try mm-hmm. and source validation from them. Like maybe if I'm a little extra sweet today, maybe if I give my partner a gift, maybe if I tell them that they're beautiful, maybe if I get them flowers or whatever, right? Then mm-hmm. they'll demonstrate back to me, they'll reciprocate to me some mm-hmm. form of validation or some form of love. And then I'll be sure about our relationship for 38 seconds. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that is that one, you're trying to manipulate somebody's behavior, mm-hmm. uh, whether, you know, no matter how benevolent or malicious it might be, like it's generally coming from a place of wounding and not from a place of genuine, like harm, but mm-hmm. it's still manipulation. And the problem with this is that what you're doing is you're inviting expectations into your relationship and you're you're now turning your relationship into a transactional process of if I if I do X, then you must do Y. If I get you flowers and call you beautiful, you should call me handsome and you know give me a kiss on the cheek or whatever. Like it doesn't fucking matter. Mm-hmm. But the problem with that as well, not only are you making your relationship transactional and not being present in the moment with your partner so that you can invite in the love that they are willing to give you and, and meet them where they're at in any moment. Um, you're also losing your train of thought. I'm sorry, Neil, (laughs) 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 but basically like you're, you're inviting expectation in your relationship and you'll, you're always, this is what I wanted to say. You're always moving the bar for what is the right amount and type of validation to get back, right? Oh, well, I did this for you and you only did this back to me. Like you clearly don't love me as much as I love you. AKA you're clearly not as dependent on me as I am on you. Um, So Mm -hmm. instead of playing out that fucking nightmare, what (laughs) what I did was just be very honest with you and just say like, Hey baby, I'm feeling a little anxious today. Uh, I'm just feeling like I want a lot of validation from you. And traditionally for me, that has meant codependency. So I just wanted to name Mm -hmm. it. That's kind Mm -hmm. of the conversation I remember having. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that I think, well, obviously I deeply admire that in you and being able to bring, just like share your experience, not in a place of like expecting anything of me uh, from the sharing of it, but just to, to have it in our relationship, to have it in full, full truth and full honesty so that I can be a part of your experience, you know, because I'm not in your head and it's like, no matter how psychically connected we are, (laughs) there's only so much that I can tune into. So for you to share your experience, like helps to like, keep us more connected, even if they're hard emotions to hear or hard experiences to hear about, Um, like even you, you sharing with me about like, you were thinking about dating and seeing other people while that was like painful for me, being able to hold that, that pain without making it the, the speaker from my like vocal cords without them giving them the seat to speak, um, or control like the situation and how I wanted to handle it. So like giving her space to feel it and to have those emotions, uh, but then to just see you and where you were at from like more of a neutral space instead of this like highly charged emotional space. Um, but I really deeply value that it 
like your ability to do that and bring it forward for us to be able to connect there because otherwise I'm like, we're in a state of guessing, right? Like if I don't share my experience with you, I mean, you do a great job of being able to like read my energy, but I don't want you to have to do that, you know, because <laughs> it's not fair to you. It's not fair to have to try to read somebody's energy because that's when it gets into like really like you're walking a fine line there in the in terms of a place of yeah, in a place of like potential like emotional manipulation, you know, um, from either from you reading another person's energy and interpreting it in a specific way in the way that you want to see it, or from the person who's actually feeling the emotion, trying to get them to understand without using your words, without like being an adult and speaking about your experience. You're just trying to get the other person to like figure it out without having to say anything. Yeah. Which I mean, a lot of relationships play out that thing. It's like, so well, many, yeah. well, I've been like, you just give some silent have to treatment tell you. all day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't want, like, I don't want to have to ask you for this. I want you to want to do it for me or like, you know, whatever, yeah. just like that whole, that yeah. whole, well, if I give you the silent treatment, then what you should do is fill that space with a very specific quality of affection and blah, blah, blah. And uh, we don't play that shit in our relationship, baby, not in this house. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, you, you raised the discussion of, like being, being a sensitive kind of like empathic person and being able to read somebody's energy and what you mm -hmm. do with that energy, because it can be used manipulatively, right? Like you're talking mm -hmm. about, you can leverage your expectations, but you can also leverage your read on people to go mm -hmm. like, oh, well, I feel like she's in this space today. So here's what I'm going to do, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so once again, like all of this comes down and this is how I think about the world, but like all of this comes down to integrity, which is, you know, I get, I get psychic hits off of you all the time. Um, and it's fair, to be fair, you do for me as well. Like I can't hide shit from you. Uh, and, and frankly, like you can't either. So like what it comes down to, uh, I see you, yeah. what it comes down to is again, naming it and being like, yeah. I mean, like I did it last night. I was like, Hey, like you feel I mean, you do it to me all the time. You feel far away, not all the time, but in, in like the, the recent week or often so. Often lately, like, yeah. <laughs> often lately, like even like you feel far away or I say like, you know, you feel stoic or disconnected or hurt or just, you know, kind of naming what I think you feel. It's not always mm -hmm. right, but mm -hmm. I can certainly feel that something is off. Uh, yeah. Even when you're typing with the exact same emojis that you normally do, I'm like, ah, this ain't right. <laughs> this, feels, yeah. this feels out of place. So yeah. again, I think it all just comes down to naming and that's the, that's the person's responsibility on the side of receiving the intuition. And then the other person's responsibility is to manage their defensiveness. Mm -hmm. And I don't think either you or yeah. I actually really have mm -hmm. to deal with that too much. Like, yeah. I mean, actually I can't speak for you on that, but like generally I think that you and I aren't the kind of person who goes like, Oh no, you're fucking wrong about what I'm feeling. Like blah, blah, blah. You and I are generally yeah. the kind of person people to go like, Oh, well, yeah, I guess something is off. Let's dig into it. And then we have a yeah. conversation about it and we use it as an invitation. I wasn't always. <laughs> I actually used to have a huge defensive bone in my body, like really, really big. And I actually got called out by it from a couple of my partners, actually. Um, and there was one partner that like brought it to my attention for the first time. And I didn't even realize like how defensive I was, you know, mm. any, anything that somebody would say, even if it wasn't something that was, um, that was meant to come across in a, 
in a rude or accusatory way, it would just activate me to protect myself. Uh, So my protection was defending whatever they were feeling so that I didn't have to feel guilty or shameful about it. So then when I started releasing like that, I don't have to feel guilty for people's emotions because Mm -hmm. that's their experience. That's when I could have more space for receiving people's emotions and then not taking it so personally. You also cleared up more space for your own emotions. Like you're too busy trying to take care of other people's emotions. Meanwhile, you've got this backlog of like shit that, which is exactly what they're calling out. They're like, hey, it looks like you have like a backlog of shit back there. And you're like, fuck you. Yeah. Like dealing yeah. with your shit. I'm busy yeah. dealing with your shit, bro. <laughs> Judging. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was I was in a very similar position um in my past relationships as well. Cause I mean, like as as somebody who's like fairly who's I don't want to suck my own dick here, but like as somebody who's fairly <laughs> intelligent, like there's the tendency, especially in your younger years to think that you fucking know it all just because you can string words mm-hmm. together in fanciful ways and explain and rationalize things. You think that, uh, you know, if you do have kinks in your armor, well, like my kink, the kinks in my armor are as bad as the kinks in your armor. So deal with your own shit. Stop calling me out on mine. Like, yeah. and, here, and here's how I'm justifying my bullshit. And I would defend it with a lot of anger as well. Yeah. Um, and then I stopped being so up my own fucking ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's like huge pattern within like the masculine It's um, like, I feel like within the feminine, it's like defensiveness and within like the masculine it's justification, you know, like this is why I'm doing this. Whereas like with, I feel they're like one of the same, but, um, more with the feminine, it's like, I was doing this to protect myself you know, mm. um, so like one's more accusatory and one's more like blamey. The, this is probably just the pattern that I've attracted into my life due to my own karma. But what I've seen generally speaking from my partners who have all been very, very feminine is more of a, a guilt and shame defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's probably just because that's the work that I have to do, um, in terms of like forgiving and, and transcending in this life. But I generally, when I in my past relationships when I would bring something to bear for a partner. And to be fair, like I probably wasn't doing it all the time in very like healthy ways, you know, very non-confronting gentle ways that invite discussion and blah, blah, blah. I was probably doing it from a place of hurt, no matter how fanciful Mm -hmm. I thought I was being. What I would see in return was a shutting down, a guilt like, oh, I feel guilty for what I've done or what I'm feeling. I feel shame. And you can't have a conversation from that place because in yeah. guilt, you kind of, I mean, in both guilt and shame, you just want to beat yourself up. Shame is like a much lower energy. It just shuts the person off, puts them into basically like a depression. And then yeah. there's no ability to take accountability for their emotions. And therefore, as the other person, you don't want to take accountability for your own emotions because why should I, if they're not doing it as well? Um, So the way to kind of get around that is to just. Yeah. Use it as a, as a protection method. Yeah. I, I feel like there, there's a very important distinction between guilt and shame. Like Mm -hmm. shame comes from a very unhealthy place where you feel like you are like innately unworthy or undeserving or wrong or bad guilt. I feel like it's, Yeah, exactly. And I feel like guilt is more of like an empathetic feeling of like, oh, I hurt you or I did something wrong that didn't have the intended like 
effect or whatever. So there can be, there's benefits to guilt. Like for a person to not feel guilty, you're typically a psychopath, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. like healthy guilt can be something that can be helpful to relationships with yourself or with other people. But then when it manifests into shame where it just like spirals and snowballs, like that's when it becomes a protection uh, mechanism instead of a way to be able to look at where you can take accountability in your life and show up in more integrity. But I think it comes down to like whether or not you're taking action from that place. Like if you feel guilty and you're taking action, that's when it can be healthy. But if you're just feeling shameful and you're not taking any any action and you're sitting in that shame so that you can avoid any type of movement, that's where it's not helpful for anyone. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I, I use the, like kind of, obviously we've talked about this, like the Hawkins model of consciousness for this and mm-hmm. shame and guilt, like guilt is just a little above shame. Basically it's like you have apathy at the very bottom, which is just a complete lack of desire for any life or life force. And then you have shame, which is like you're saying is basically what you beautifully describe between shame and guilt the way that I see shame versus guilt is like from, from victim to villain, basically Mm -hmm. from seeing yourself as the victim of life. Oh, of course I, I hurt you. I'm a piece of fucking shit. And like, you just, it, it, it creates a vacuum so that the person that you just like felt that you hurt now has to fill the space and console you. It's a very weird phenomenon versus guilt is like, like you're saying, you know, Oh, I hurt you it comes from a place of empathy, but it's processed from a vibration of fear. I think that yeah. like you say, I, I like what you're saying about how guilt is kind of like a sign that a person has like morality and empathy, but I don't think that either guilt or shame should be acted from. I think that they should act as kind of like signs or red flags or markers to be like, Oh, something went wrong or something is not optimal uh, but like, like with anything, like any trigger, any negative emotion, we need to create a little bit of distance from it to observe it and then work from a place of either neutrality or love or peacefulness. Yeah. I like the distinction that you made between like working from guilt versus like using it as a, as a sign, because it's like a really important aspect. Um, because yeah, if you were, if you, if you take action from guilt, like the action might not be helpful. <laughs> yeah, It could be like really detrimental. Uh, but if like you use guilt to see where you can move things in a better direction, like that's where, that's where it could be really beneficial. But while we're actually on the subject of fear, um, I had a question for you on like, on the subject of fear, Uh, because while it is like a lower level vibration of feeling, it's still a real experience, right? Just like Mm -hmm. anger and sadness, like suppressing any of the emotion is not the goal. It's to like create a new relationship around it. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the most important things or ways to do that is by creating conversation around it so that it it can Mm -hmm. give space for those feelings to feel seen or heard. And then making space for a new uh, story or reality in our heads. Um, So one of my questions for you, and we've kind of talked about this in our intimate and personal conversations, but what's, what are some of the biggest fears that you've had come up in our, the evolution of our relationship? Jesus, babe. All right. Uh, so first, Listen, actually, I didn't sign on for surface level conversation. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's why I love you. Um, oh, so I'll do this little. I'll do this little preamble. You'll do this little preamble. 
which is that like, I know I talk a lot in this podcast about like transcending fear and transcending lower vibrations and things like that. But really, like, I don't think that there's anything wrong with experiencing fear in your nervous system, but it's whether you act from fear and you listen that you take fear on as a counselor is what we need to transcend as like human beings. It's like fear is a natural kind of thing that can arise within us. But when I experience fear, I see it as an invitation to, I see it as an invitation to grow, right? Mm -hmm. Rather than being like, oh, I'm scared of. So for example, like being scared in our relationship, if I listened to fear as a counselor, it would be shut her out close yourself off, let her fill the space. If she doesn't want to fill the space, that's her fucking problem. The relationship wasn't worth it anyway. That's what fear is mm-hmm. saying to me, right? Yeah. Uh, or something, you know. cringes up when you say those things. Right? But realizing <laughs> yeah. that there's fear though, fear there, like I can, and basically fear is just a bunch of like sheer black curtains obfuscating what actually lies within its domain. So it looks like a scary monster. You fucking move the curtains around. You're like, this is a goddamn mannequin. It's been a mannequin the whole time. And someone dressed this like an asshole. Did a colorblind person dress this fucking mannequin or was it me? Anyway. Um, so it's like people can see your face when you, when you start getting in your acting role and you're like playing out these scenarios in your head. Cause you go full into it. And I really like it. I'm an artiste, babe. Um, <laughs> so you had asked me about um, what my biggest fears in this relationship were. I think we talked a little bit about this last night. Um, That, I mean, a lot of these things can just be boiled down to like very basic, like fundamental, like five fundamental fears that pretty much everybody experiences in different clothing. And for me, it's like an 80, 20 split between I'm not enough and I'm too much. Right. So the, I'm not enough is what I had talked to you about last night, which is essentially like, you know, we live far away from each other. We both have physical affection as our primary love language, um, which is great when you're together and terrible when you're apart. And like the fear, which arises karmically and also out of experience is just this like, I can't give her what she needs physically because I'm like I'm physically like not able to give you what you need because I'm not there. And I also am torn in a lot of different directions with my work. Um, mm-hmm. And what that leads to is, is essentially like you will become dissatisfied in our relationship and you know, you're, you're a beautiful and exuberant person with a robust social life and that you'll eventually meet somebody who is also exuberant and makes you happy and fills you up. And then you spend like, this is the scenario I described to you yesterday, which is like, you meet somebody, you start to build a friendship. There's like what you tell yourself is an energetic attraction to somebody. um, But deep down, you know, is more than that. And you tell yourself that it's okay to keep following that thread and to keep engaging with this person. Meanwhile, our relationship gets colder and colder um, and more and more distant until eventually you realize that you are falling in love with somebody else. And we have to separate out of that necessity rather than any kind of natural, I guess that's natural, but like any natural course that happens within the confines of our relationship. 
So that's a great fear for me is like, cause what, you know, in reality, what that is, is a natural process of, of birth and death and two lives going in different directions, but to a traumatized nervous system, which I would argue we all probably have on some level is I am not enough. Of course, I cannot, I, I cannot sustain a loving relationship for any meaningful period of time because I don't have the capacity to be loved and to be chosen again and again. Yeah. That's the greatest fear. Yeah. And I know you and I have like a lot of that similar energy of like, not the, like not feeling chosen or not feeling like there is enough Uh, at least for me, like there's not enough love to have that commitment with one person, not because I don't have enough love, but the other person like won't be able to love me enough to choose me to go down in in that into the curtains, like (laughs) using the metaphor that you use, like go into the curtains and face it and be with it. um, And yeah, it's like, it's a real fear to have in our relationship of having this distance. And I mean, the same thing applies with you. Like I think about it, like we have very different lives, you know, like we have, we energetically are so similar and we get along so well and our love is so real and so deep and so pure, but like the actual, like structure of our lives is very different. You know, you were a med student (laughs) and I, (laughs) I play with children all day. So it's just really different. Like our social lives are very different. So I have a similar feeler of you meeting someone in school or meeting someone on one of your rotations or something. And it's easier, you know, you have similar expectations out of life. You do similar type of studying or some similar type of work that takes up the same amount of, um, like the same kind of energy. Whereas you and I are learning how to navigate like this, the world of yin and yang in the relationship. And yeah, so it gets, it gets scary um, to see that within our relationship. This makes me, first of all, I'm I'm processing an incredible amount of energy in my sacral chakra right now, which is like not something that normally happens. This is pretty wild, but it makes me think of the walls that we erect as groups, right? You, you know, you talked about, we both actually reflected the idea of meeting somebody who fits our lifestyle a little bit better because they run in similar groups or circles mm-hmm. that we have. And we talked a little bit about this last night, or at least I fucking ranted about this last night about like being really frustrated about groupthink and about like, the language that groups use to barricade themselves within their ivory towers, you know, Mm -hmm. the absolutely deeply frustrating way that spiritual, the new age spiritual people talk and like the um, cold and clinical way that physicians often speak. Mm -hmm. I think the fact that we both try to hold language very lightly keeps us more open to the experience that the other person is having. It allows us to relate to one another um, 
you know, not as a cult leader of children and as a, uh, as, a <laughs> as an, as an apprentice to, I have to been described as that though. So. <laughs> Sorry. You're the bubble queen. That's right. Um, as the, as the bubble queen and the dingus and tight scrubs, but like two people who, who are trying to, by the way, hmm? is that the tight scrubs? The tight scrubs are very attractive. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. All they need is bubbles. <laughs> I'm just surrounded by like a, a hallway of bubbles that fall in me. <laughs> it's like, my God, that man is whimsical and magical. <laughs> Never seen whimsy and sexy come together so well. I'm bringing whimsy back. Um, but we get to meet each other as just two beings kind of in our hearts. And yeah, I mean, like, frankly, like I've, I've waited a long time to find somebody who is like you, like, I was, I've never been one for like writing down everything you want, like right down to the deep, the finest detail. But if I had, like, you were basically exactly what I was thinking of in my mind of like, mm. I am waiting for this. And I found it. And spirit mm. was like, she lives in Florida. And she's <laughs> vegan. And I was like, fuck, the two worst things you could that have That was said. one of the most challenging things which is ironic because i listened to the last episode and you said that that was an influence on your vegetarian choice so you're welcome it was doesn't mean i'm happy about it (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot of things that have influenced my life that i don't like yeah (laughs) oh baby that felt really good to hear in my heart i feel very (sighs) similar to you and having this desire. Like I remember people talking about like, like when they're kids, like planning out their marriage and planning out their wedding and having all of these expectations and ideas of their partner, like their soulmate, you know? Um, And I've never been like, I never made a fucking scrapbook for my dream wedding, you know? But there has been like this feeling that I've wanted to have with someone that I know, like I want to feel this really deep connection. I want to be in admiration. Like I want to admire someone. I want to look up to someone and respect someone in my relationship. I want to see them as my equal. You know, I want to see them as somebody that I can walk with alongside. And I feel all of that with you. So all of these feelings that I, I don't think I've ever made a list either. I make a lot of lists, but I I don't think I've made a list on like what I want specifically out of a partner don't quote me on that because there could be one somewhere lying around in a, in a drawer somewhere um but i'm on a whole different kind of to-do list baby <laughs> <laughs> already done list <laughs> <laughs> but i'm really grateful for even though we met we met in the strangest of ways on the internet and this day and age all the way across the country and we have no idea where this relationship will go where it is presently is like this really beautiful healing and loving connection and i'm really grateful for you i love you i love you too if you have it available i'd love it if you'd read your sum oh little poem um yeah. I don't want to rush you, but we have four minutes and 38 seconds before Zoom kicks <laughs> oh, us <God>. off. <laughs> that's, that's a little rushed, but that's okay. 
Okay, so this is a poem that I wrote actually back in May of last year. So it's been a full year. Letter to the ones I'll love. Will you let me love you? Let me in. Settle into me, into us, with me. Stop resisting, pushing, holding out for sake of fear. I don't fight to be met anymore. I'll let you decide whether you're able to meet me or not, but I'm going to fight for you to choose me as a worthy, but I'm not going to fight for you to choose me as a worthy and valuable addition to your life. I've had my experience fighting, begging, pleasing, proving that I was sweet enough, kind enough, fun enough, real enough to be loved and to be met. And it's the game of the wounded proving to each other their beliefs that they're unworthy of being loved. The push and pull of the desires and fears the spinning, the weaving, the guessing, the accusing. I ask you, can you see me? If you see me, you know I am here. Know that I am real, that I exist with you alongside you. Can you understand me? If you understand me, you witness me in my human complexities, my quirks and confusions, my contradictions and patterns. You reflect to me what I cannot see because I'm too close to the mirror. And can you meet me? If you meet me, you show up in the level of vulnerability I'm willing to throw myself into for the sake of deep, real, and raw relationship. Release our game of cat and mouse and let the natural bonding of connection unfold that no longer relies on on familiar expected results. Some, see me, understand me, meet me. It's no longer enough for me to just be in love. I have to be in some. To be in some is to be in love in a way that transcends the bonds of trauma and story. To be in some, test the ego, test the integrity, test the vulnerability, test the commitment to movement, growth, and freedom. We made it. (laughs) That's some you, baby. Thank you for coming on and having a little chat and asking the Mm -hmm. hard questions. (laughs) Thank you for receiving them, being so open. And thank you to everybody listening. Mm -hmm. And we will... Who knows when I'll have you back on, but I'm sure it's going to happen again at this point. Get get used to her. (laughs) All right, folks. Mm